and welcome to episode two of Employees Only, presented to you by Mulcahy's. Today's guest is David Cribley, uh, esteemed reporter for Long Island Newsday. This guy has interviewed them all. Um, we had some awesome stories, everything from uh, getting a call from Gene Simmons at three in the morning to do an interview, uh, interviewing Ozzy Osbourne. The Eddie Money one was crazy. Yeah, we hope you enjoy the interview. He's got some great stuff. We could have spoke to him for two hours, but we kept it uh, in like 50 minutes. But a true encyclopedia on Long Island and music, and we really hope you enjoy the podcast as much as we did. So we're very yeah, excited absolutely. to have David today. Staying Thank true you to the for po- having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, like I was telling you, we're going, we, we always, you always talk to the musicians and the bar owners and stuff like that who Mm -hmm. get interviewed. Now, what would you say? Are you the interviewee? We're going behind the scenes here. We're going to interview. That's right. I would be, I would be considered the interviewee at this point. You're the interviewer. (laughs) The tables have turned for sure. That's right. Once I said Dave's at Newsday and uh, so growing up, Dave, did you always want to be a reporter or a journalist or it's kind of something you fell into no you know it's funny it it, it was something that i kind of grew up totally gearing toward because when i was a kid um i was kind of lived this sort of sheltered life because my my parents were are were very sort of uh hardcore with the with the schooling and, and all the uh uh academics and stuff and what i did was um i always I'm trying to make everything I do fun because that's kind of the way I am. And um, in order to keep myself an interest in stuff, I uh, I started to get in, interested in writing. So, and what I was going to write about was um, I wanted to write about subjects that I was interested in. So, um, you know, I wasn't an athlete at all. I, my dad was a jock. My brother was a jock. I had no athletic <laughs> ability whatsoever. <laughs> Um, I like sports. I was a Met fan and a Giant fan, and I watched the Islanders. I love games, but I, I really couldn't play a lick. Yeah. So your brother got I, and all I the was, talent. Yeah, <laughs> and I wasn't a bookworm because reading was hard for me. I had learning disabilities growing up, yeah. and so I went to private schools, and you know, I I wasn't that. So I I really kind of fell toward writing. I, I was interested in it because I loved reading magazines. I was really into. Um, Rolling Stone was like my Bible, like Rolling Stone and Saturday Night Live were like the two windows of my world. You know, it kind of like I was living in sort of a sheltered environment. And those two things were like windows into outside of my house and what was going on in the world. So that's what really kind of drove me. And reading those stories and listening to the, the voices of the writers, like I was so thirsty with that. And also listening to the radio, WNEW, BAB. Uh, K-Rock, all that stuff, Howard Stern, huge influence. You know, I, I loved all that kinds of stuff. So between, and then comic books and stuff like that. So between comic books and Howard Stern and Saturday Night Live and Rolling Stone, all that entertainment stuff is what kind of like was my makeup. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like you've covered all that. I mean, yeah. with Newsday, is that something like, like it seems like is that what you mainly focus on the entertainment side like that's the story yeah. the stories i see well with, with newsday i focus on a lot of entertainment oriented things um music comedy um but then there's also a lot of um other events on long island like festivals or yeah. you know whatever they want me to get into um i always you know go and do i just did 
during the quarantine, I did a, a deep dive story on people's hobbies or the, the board game Monopoly and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I really enjoy the variety of it mm -hmm. because every day is different and I get to meet different and cool people in the process. So that's always the benefit of the job. And I really, I, I really enjoy that, that part. And David, we know uh, you're coming to us live today from Bayville. Did you grow up in Bayville as well? No, I actually grew up in um, Douglaston, Queens, and uh, I went to school out here. I went to Portledge uh, School in uh, Locust Valley, and I also went to Buckley Country Day School in uh, Roslyn. So I spent a lot of my time on Long Island. My, my cousin lived in Bayville, and my grandparents had a home in Bayville, so I spent a lot of time out here. So it became sort of a social hub for me. And that's also where I met my wife. I've been with my wife since I'm 17 and I'm 50 now. Wow. And uh, so we've been together a long time. And, um, you know, you know, a lot of my friend base and, and family and, and, you know, my girlfriend and now my wife it was from here. So a lot of my life revolved around Babel because my grandparents uh, settled here. Both sets of grandparents, actually. That's awesome. Not a bad place to settle. It's beautiful. No, it's awesome. Um, so at Newsday, now you're you're covering the entertainment. Is that something you took to them, or was it a job opening that you saw that you know you could fit in? Like, or well, did you yeah, take it to them? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So uh, prior to Newsday, I spent 17 years at the Oyster Bay Guardian newspaper, which was a local weekly which I ran. I was the editor-in-chief of that paper. I also wrote and I did all the photography and layout and designed ads and everything for that newspaper. So I got a lot of, a lot of hardcore training there. And um, they, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, owned and run by the Dolan family. And um, uh, the Dolan's uh, family, uh, Pat Dolan actually owns Newsday now. But um, prior to that, um, it was owned by Altice. Prior to that, it was owned by Cablevision. So um, when they sold my newspaper, I had uh, gone over um, with the transition uh, owner for a year and a half, and then I moved over to Newsday. I had wanted to make that, uh, that leap over to uh, the bigger paper. There you go. And you mentioned uh, you've interviewed a lot of cool people. We got mm. to ask, who was the, who was the first, like, first person you were like, wow. Well, okay, okay I'll tell you, it's an interesting story. Yeah. So I was 17 years old. And like I said, my parents were hardcore the academics, right? Mm -hmm. My dad um, was sort of a, uh, he's no longer around, but he, uh, he was a uh, general contractor. So mm -hmm. my dad was an engineer and a hardcore Marine, you know what I mean? So yeah. he was like hardcore dude. Wow. So he would, I, he would come into my bedroom and I would have wall to wall. My bedroom looked like a, a record store. It was like, just like posters everywhere and, you know, um, and he would walk in like, look at these drug addicts. Like, <laughs> like he would always joke around. So uh, he was not into true um, to form as a dad, though. Yeah, he was not into my um, rock and roll, uh, thirst for rock and roll yeah. and stuff. And um, he associated it with drugs all the time. And I, who I was the posters, Dave? <laughs> who were yeah, the posters? <laughs> so, yes. Oh, so, well, the posters were like Van Halen and. Um, uh, John Mellencamp and the Stones and like all kinds of like crazy kiss was all over my room. <laughs> so um, all kinds of wild stuff. And my dad associated rock and roll with sort of like the Sex bad end of life. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was always financially thinking about my future. I was thinking about like I wanted to do something that I was interested in and had fun with. 
and uh, there was a bit of a clash there. So um, he wanted me to go to law school, back and forth, this and that. But um, it, but the uh, the first person that I interviewed was we went. My dad was hardcore about going to college, and he wanted hands on. Uh, input as to where I went to college. So he would go with me on trips mm -hmm. to every college I went went to. And I went to see a school up in Rochester. And I did an interview and all this thing. And then on my way back, we were taking a flight home. And the band Yes was oh. on the flight, the commercial flight. So what happened was their private plane broke down. <laughs> and they had to take a, a commercial flight in coach in the middle of the day because there was nothing else available. So in order for them to get back to where they were going, they, they had to take this flight. So I walked in the plane and I'm all kind of downtrodden because I had this horrible day going to this school that I wasn't interested in and, yeah, and doing man. this interview in this, I was in this suit. My father was always making me wear suits. And um, so I went in there and I walked in and there was John Anderson, who was the lead singer of Yes. And he's sitting right in. I mean, I lost my mind. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So I was like, I thought I was in a dream. So I, I, I was at the time I was working for my high school newspaper, the Portledge Press, uh, which I was the editor in chief of. And I, um, I walked over to him and this was so precocious of me, but. I said, Mr. Anderson, my name is Dave Kriblay, and I'm a young reporter, and would you grant me an interview? And he was such a sweetheart. Oh, he said, awesome. He's like, you never know, I'm very tired right now. <laughs> he said, but I tell you what, he said, Dominique, Dominique, could you come here and help this young man? So his publicist came over to me, and he says, uh, 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 what's your name? And I said, David Kriblay, and he goes, uh, set up David with tickets and backstage passes to all... Uh, WNEW Christmas show. Oh, and awesome. I tell you what, David, I need to take a nap right now. He <laughs> says, we've had a terrible time. Our plane has broken down. And he says, but if you would do the nice thing and come to our show and you come backstage, I'll give you an interview. And I was wow. like, what? <laughs> so I, I literally, I was, I couldn't believe my luck. So I, but then I said to myself, I said, oh, this lady's just placating me, right? <laughs> so I said, all right. I said, here's my name. Here's my address. Here's my phone number. And I said, the chances of me getting those tickets, I mean, you know, it's, you have to realize it's 1987, mm -hmm. you know, but I had known about their album that had just came out and their tour. And I, I couldn't go see the show because I couldn't even get to Jersey. And so lo and behold, Dominique called me up, wow. gave me tickets, backstage passes. And I had to convince my parents to let me take the car in the snow to Jersey in December with a friend of mine and I went backstage and I interviewed the band and I did a full page wow. uh, wow. uh, uh, story about my, my whole escapade from the beginning of meeting them on the plane all the way to interviewing them backstage. And that's kind of like how it all got going wow. prior to that. I had, I did album reviews for my, um, for my uh, high school paper, but I also did a story about meeting Jeff Beck when I went to California. So like I was doing different things like that. And, I really started getting the ball rolling in, in high school. That's one hell of a high school newspaper then. Most of them yeah, were just right. like, oh, the football team won today. <laughs> Sounds like it was all in the state. As it well. was you fun. Must have I mean, let me, let me I jet. <laughs> I had two teachers that were really cool, Mr. Miles and Mr. McIlvain, and they were both very taken with my enthusiasm. And um, they said, write it. 
just write it and and write it with with heart and everything that you just told me write it because you're so excited and you were so enthused and i put all of that into my story and i really fell in love with that process in in trying to entertain people and take them on a little journey in a very small uh, amount of space. How did the interview go, David? Was it, uh, did you, you know, get any scoops? I, I, yeah, it was, <laughs> I tell you, it was a little tricky because I'm backstage, they're distracted. There's girls everywhere <laughs> and there's food everywhere and booze. And I'm desperately trying to focus on getting my interview. Mm -hmm. And I was getting clips and, and, and different things in between. So it took some time to jostle around, but I got it all done and it was worthwhile. And what I ended up doing was I ended up writing the story from the beginning of when I first met them to the end of the process. So it wasn't just the interview. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was quotes from them in there, but I decided to write the story from the whole process. Cause I felt like after I came home, I was a little freaking out. Like, did I have enough quotes for a story? Right, what right. am I going to do? But then I realized, tell the story. My, my English teacher, uh, John McElvain, uh, he said, tell the story from the beginning to the end and, and take the, he said, tell it the way you just told me. He goes, but I want you to write it with your enthusiasm and your voice. And that's what I did. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, no, I'm happy to do it. Like, like your teacher said, it's funny. You remember his name and everything. He must've had a great impact. Oh, on he, he was fantastic. Absolutely. John McElvain. Interesting enough. He was an author. In addition to being a teacher, he wrote a book called Worth Avenue. And um, I just remember uh, it was a fantastic book, uh, really uh, incredible guy, very inspirational, and um, as, as well as Mr. Miles, who was also there. They were both uh, very supportive at the time. Yeah, it's funny. The story is actually even better than the interview. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what it was, and yeah. I was a little freaked out that I didn't get enough meat for the interview, mm -hmm. but I realized that the value was the story. So if I took people through the journey, at the end portion would be the quotes in the interview. That would be great. I, I'm, more, I'm more impressed you got your dad to let you go. <laughs> let me tell you that <laughs> did you wear your suit well, to the, the shy <laughs> yeah it was funny because my dad was hardcore hard hardcore like i i didn't smoke and i didn't do any drugs and i didn't drink and i, I didn't have any earrings and i didn't have long hair and i didn't have any tattoos i was as clean as you could possibly be and i had good grades and i worked hard but he still didn't like that like the rock and roll aspect yeah, it attitude. bothered him yeah what it was, was weird um Opposed to that concert, what were some of the clubs or live music venues uh, of your past that you like to visit? Mm. Some concerts so, that stick out. Yeah, to so what I ended up doing was I went to Villanova mm -hmm. and I, I ran the entertainment section of my paper there. And I spent a lot of time in Philly, uh, you know, going to the Trocadero, Electric Factory concerts, the Spectrum, this and that. Then when I came home to Long Island, which is like 1992. I worked for 10 years at the Island Ear, which was a local paper, um, uh, like, very much like Good Times, yeah. but it was uh, uh, they were a, a Good Times competitor at the time. And I worked 10 years there, and I went to all the different clubs on the island, uh, Eastside Comedy Club. I was into comedy as much as I was into rock and roll. And um, I would also do uh, the Roxy, uh, Frank Cariola's Roxy, oh, yeah. uh, Sundance, Hammerheads, all these different places that I would be out in the, in the middle of the night. <laughs> Going to these places, my parents having a heart attack. Lemoore's in Brooklyn, wondering if my car was going to be there after the end of the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I really enjoyed uh, doing stuff like that. One of the uh, 
fun things I did was the band Dream Theater. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but Dream Theater is an incredible uh, progressive metal band um, that is actually big and very international. And I had gotten them and got in with them very early on in the 90s, John Petrucci and, and uh, drummer Mike Portnoy. And I interviewed them and gave them their first cover story on the Island Ear in the early 90s. And um, I, uh, I, you know, it was, I just had a, such a thirst to break different bands for the yeah. readers to let them know about different cool rock bands. They were from Long Island, from Kings Park and stuff like that. And um, I, I went to all these different places and I, I really loved the Long Island music scene. I wrote for Nightlife magazine. I wrote for Good Times for 10 years after the Island Ear closed. Yeah. So I did a lot of Long Island work. In Mulcahy's, for example, back in the day, Sebastian Bach or Joan Jett, I was at all those shows and stuff. We used to go to Mulls after every Jones Beach concert. Yeah. And I used to hang out. And I remember going to Jones Beach, seeing Brett Michaels with Poison, and then hanging out with Brett Michaels <laughs> at Mulcahy's afterwards, That's awesome. which was like a, just like a, such a great time. And uh, yeah, so like there was all those places were just an absolute blast. Yeah, Brett Michaels has been here like ten times or something. Like he knows the place mm. back and forth. One time yeah. we lost he him used before to, show, but he was like out Brett, back. <laughs> yeah, Brett is literally one of the greatest guys I've ever interviewed. I, I, that man blows me away. He's so full of energy. He is always in amazing shape. He's always in a good mood. He he's had a lot of uh, different. Uh, uh, hurdles to get over in his life a lot of health issues but let me tell you something that guy delivers hardcore and he always he used to he used to say from the stage meet me at moles you know (laughs) who you are yeah i mean it was unbelievable and we'd be like there's like fifteen thousand people at jones beach we're all like going to volcanoes it was so much fun brett's played he he crushes every time i i I wasn't here the last time and then i was like a little bit younger but yeah just like you said yeah he, he brings it still and oh, totally. Just, He's uh, amazing. We just recently, I'm sure you know, I had the, the Ropsy reunion here at Mulcahy's as well. Can oh, yeah. You, I wrote about us, it. Absolutely. That can was you tell a blast. Us a, little about, um, a little bit about the, the Roxy for those of Yeah, the Roxy. <laughs> oh, my God. The Roxy. What a place that was. Um, I, uh, Zebra, uh, Ace Freely. I remember being at an Ace Freely concert. Oh, my God. My parents used to worry about me so much, and there was no cell phones back then because these shows would go on so late. So I mean, late, yeah. you know, like nowadays, you know, you would never hold a band till like one in the morning. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you can't do that nowadays. Back then, they did, and the crowd would be drinking hardcore and just hanging out, and we're getting rowdy, and people screaming for Ace, and Ace is like hobbling around backstage. I mean, I I used to go to like Limelight in the city, which was like a real a dangerous church, place right? to be. It, yeah. I, that place church. used to be a church. Yeah, oh, it was crazy. It really was. A, that was a wild <laughs> scene. And I I went to see Dream Theater there. Went to the Ace there, and uh, um, Sebastian Bach. All kinds of. I'm like a hard. I love a hard rock and metal and rock and roll, like all that kinds of stuff. So um, yeah, that was a that was a wild place to be, and um, but a lot of fun. The Roxy was uh, you know it was short lived, yeah. but because it was sort of like a um, extension of Sundance. But uh, you know, uh, oh my God, the zebra shows! I used to love all the zebra shows. It was so much fun, and the you know, it's so funny because like I I'm 50 years old now, and uh, I see guys who are like my age and we're all like these like middle aged 
overweight, balding dads were like, remember the Roxy dude? (laughs) (laughs) So funny. You know, like you see these guys, you're like, oh, I was there for that show. It was really funny. I just interviewed Randy Jackson um, for um, Newsday just recently because he has been doing live streaming shows every day online. And Mm. that guy is unbelievable. His voice is amazing. His guitar playing is amazing. He's a great human being. Just, uh, just such a pleasure. People love Zebra. I mean, they play your oh, place every year yeah. now, and they always can't get out. enough, man. Yeah. Can't get enough. And just like you said, everyone who came in to buy a ticket was like, "We used to see him back at Speaks." <laughs> and oh, totally. Speaks is another one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so that all that stuff. Um, I used to. Um, I remember, God, in the early '90s, I would would be living in Glen Cove, working out at a gym next to D. Snyder. And, uh, you know, from Twisted Sister, Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, oh, my God. And at the time, he was broken up with the band and doing solo stuff with, like, uh, his his side bands and stuff like that. It was it was it was so much fun. It was all all that stuff was great. You could write a book or something. I mean, you I I know. (laughs) Yeah. If I don't have the time, I'm writing articles every two minutes. You must have stories for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, absolutely. I could see why your dad was worried about you. You were right in the scene and (laughs) everything. You know, I tell you though, it's funny. He was very worried, but <laughs> I never did a thing. Like to make I was worry, as yeah. clean living as possible. And it's so funny because I was really into the music yeah. and the scene and the fun of it. Like I was never into the uh, the excess of it. Yeah. Did he come around to it, your dad? No. Nope. <laughs> 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 no. He no. He um. He was never came around to it. I would go to school. He wouldn't read my articles. Oh. He would send me law school books, to, you know. But it was just, you know, he was old school, and and you know, as you get older, you get perspective on it. And he was he was just worried about financial security all the time, and that was his concern mainly. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. Um, that's great. Um, what am I gonna ask here? Um, well, we've had a. If obviously your yes interview stands out as one of the one of the best. Yeah. Have you ever had? I don't want to put you in a tough spot here, but have you ever no. ever had like a, a tough interview? <laughs> or, yeah, or you what, know, one I'm in like tough circumstances. Or a mean, yeah, just or a mean musician or something. There's a couple of them, you know. That you know, sometimes the funny thing about interviewing musicians is you just never know what's going on on the other side. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are on the phone, and sometimes you know you get people in a bad mood or a bad time or a bad whatever. Um, so, yeah, there's times when that happens. There's times when they, you know, a lot of musicians don't want to do press. Yeah. And they get, they're forced to do press yeah. because they have a show to promote or they have an album to promote or press is part of their um, uh, obligation uh, to their record company. So what you want to do is very often when I do interviews, it's, I, I like to be engage them. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I don't want, I don't want to get the run of the mill interview, the answers that they give everybody. I'm always trying to get in cool information, fun stuff that will make an interesting article. So when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm thinking about the article and like, oh, that quote will be great. Or, oh, I could write a paragraph on that. And I'm thinking along those lines and I'm trying to direct them in an area that's going to be interesting and tasty. Like the article has always got to be tasty to me that no matter what I'm writing about, 
So like if I, even if I'm writing about, like I said earlier in this conversation, like I was writing a story on Monopoly, right? Yeah. We all played Monopoly. It's a board game that's been around forever. How do you make Monopoly interesting? So it's something along those lines, like, you know, that's the challenge and that I enjoy with my job is that how do I make whatever I got going interesting? So um, that comes for every, it's the challenge of every artist. Every artist is different. They all have different energies. You get David Lee Roth on the phone and he's just going a mile a minute and he's like riding a bucking Bronco and you're trying to get him to answer questions. And I've interviewed Ozzy from before, Ozzy wow. Osbourne. <laughs> wow. And he's, he, and he, How was he, that? That was wild. He, <laughs> he was fun because the funny thing about Ozzy is you got to know how to speak Ozzy. So Ozzy has a certain rhythm and tone. He goes up and then he goes down. You know, so he's like that kind of vibe. And so he got on the phone and he's like, David, did you hear my new album? And I was and I and I was a diehard Ozzy fan. I was like, yeah, I I love the new album. And he goes, what's your favorite fucking song? <laughs> and I said, oh, I said, oh, I love this song. And I and he could tell that I was engaged in his album. So then you have broken kind of a barrier with right, them, yeah. and they will jive with you. So it's a little you got to know your subject, and you got to kind of like be engaged. Because if you're not and you're just banging it out, it's not you're not going to get a great article. Yeah, well, it's funny. But uh, there's, some, there's some cool ones. There's some cool ones. Like I had a one story that was fun. Oh, Eddie yeah, Money, one of my favorite people oh, to interview here? was yeah. Eddie Money. Wow. Love, love Eddie guy, Money, right? the late Eddie Money. So when Eddie died, it, it broke my heart. It really mm -hmm. did because he was such a good guy and such a sweetheart of a guy. And I just did a story in the paper in Newsday on his uh, post-Humanist uh, 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 album that came out, uh, his EP, his, his wife just released his last recordings, and I did an interview with her, and Eddie was such a funny, funny character. I mean, he was so funny. I once interviewed him. He, I, he called me. He was supposed to do an interview, and, and I was ready to do the interview, and he was like, you know, uh, Dave, just meet me at my mother's house. I was like, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Meet you at your mother's house. He goes, I'm in plain age. Just just come over. He's a Levittown uh, guy, he, right? He gets, yeah, yeah, what's that? He's a Levittown guy, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's originally from, uh, I think it's uh, Island Trees or something oh, like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, she said, hey, just, just come down here. I go to his mother's house. He answers the door in a button-down shirt that's half open, boxer shorts, and black socks. <laughs> and he, <laughs> like he comes, he answers, he's all disheveled. He looks like he just rolled out of bed. It's like two in the afternoon. So I, and I go, Eddie, uh, was everything all right? He's like, yeah, 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 come on, come on in. And he did the funniest thing that made me laugh so bad. So I walk in the house, everything's a mess, and there's a pizza box with like, leftover pizza that looks like it's been sitting there for like 24 hours and he goes you want some pizza <laughs> and, it was just, and i sat on the edge of his bed as he was getting dressed interviewing him oh, awesome. and it was such a it just i just love this guy so much because he was so charismatic and just didn't care yeah. and he was just so funny and sweet and 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 like i just i interviewed eddie for years and he was just awesome, and I, I loved interviewing him. Um, I actually uh, another big one I did. I had chased an interview with Billy Joel for mm. many years, yeah. many many years. He's a tough so one. So I, 
Yes, I ran the Oyster Bay Guardian for 17 years, and he was in, uh, lived in Oyster Bay. He yeah. lived in uh, technically Center Island. He lived, and I'm in Davil, and he's he's like what about two three miles from here, and um, he's in Center Island, which is one of the most exclusive places in the world to live, yep. and uh, he lives there. But he had an office in Oyster Bay, and I had been. Uh, you know, uh, kind of pecking at his publicist for years to do an interview. And she finally gives me an interview, and I did a sit down with Billy for like an hour, wow. which which meant the world to me because Billy was such a huge influence in my life. I loved his music and his voice and everything that he did. So I was just a diehard fan. And I sat down and interviewed him and and did a, a great interview with him. And he's he was fantastic. He's very very smart guy. Uh, low key, very low key. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he doesn't uh, act up at all, um, and he's uh, very much an islander, man. He he's he he likes just being a Long Islander and uh, not being, you know, kind of like some sort of like big shot hero. But he's a very cool guy. I love him a lot. He's great. Yeah, that's awesome. And the Ozzy yeah. story, like your passion, because you're such a fan of the music. Yeah, I, I think that's probably why you connect to them. You know? Oh, totally. I you know, I mean, look, I. The key to interviewing big celebrities like that, in my opinion, from for me is is to have the enthusiasm, but you don't go fanboy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want you. Th- my whole job, even if I'm interviewing somebody about playing Monopoly, like I said earlier, yeah. my whole process is to extract the pulp of the interesting part of the story for the reader. So every time I interview somebody, whether it's a big celebrity or whatever, I am thinking about the story. What's going to look good in the story? And it's almost like if you were decorating a house and you were going to a store and saying, what's going to make the house look amazing? And you're picking out throw pillows and couches and this and that. And that's the focus. So that's you want to enjoy the time with the person, but you also have to be able to know how to handle yourself and you can't fanboy out. You have to totally be engaged and, and focused on the subject. Yeah. And David, I was actually going to ask you about your process. Like now, as you mentioned, with yeah. like the Monopoly story and stuff, for you yeah. at Newsday, your role now, what mm. what is your kind of ideation process? Like you sit there, like Monopoly comes to you, you pitch it to Newsday and you go, have you got quite a lot of uh, freedom with that? What What well, is like know, from, from uh, well, your... With, with Newsday, it's a little more specific. So like Newsday... When you get an assignment, they have an idea of what they want. So imagine if someone is ordering food Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a waiter. Okay, so my job as a waiter is to listen intently to what the person is ordering and deliver that message to the chef. Now, I'm also in this scenario, the chef. So (laughs) I'm the waiter and the chef. So I have to come back and present the entree that they asked for. So my job is it's got to be on time. It's got to be the right word count. It's got to be the right tone and it's got to be the right direction of what they want. So when I speak to my editor, they have to say, I want a 600 word story Friday morning on such and such subject. And I want you to focus on A, B and C. So there's that. And sometimes they give you a little more specific and sometimes they'll ask for your input as to what you want. And um, you can offer input, but you also have to tailor it according to what the editor wants. Um, I don't make – I pitch stories. Um, sometimes I'll pitch 10 stories, mm-hmm. but it, it, they have – sometimes they'll pick one, and that's a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, Or sometimes they'll assign me one. 
So it all depends on how that operates. If they say, oh, like the Monopoly story is like, Dave, we want you to do this Monopoly story, and here's the story we want. We want to do a story about Monopoly, and here's the A, B, and C of it. Okay, and now I have to compute that and figure out how am I going to make that happen? Okay, so then, but in, in terms of other things, like, for example, I just did an interview with Kevin James, the comedian. Yeah. Okay. So that's a story that I had pitched, and I had an angle and this and that, and they said, okay, that sounds great. Go with it. And then I take that and do my thing and hand it in. So it's all different angles. So everybody comes in in different ways. And, um, you know, basically the bottom line is to promote um, handing in a good product for the reader. You know what I mean? That's the main portion is it's what's going to be engaging to the reader. What's going to keep them interested? What's going to make them continue to click on the website or continue to read in the paper and, that's my job, and you know it's always a challenge every single time. Uh, that's funny, Dave. I was going to ask you like any advice for any uh, young journalist, or even for us who just this is only our second episode. Any, yeah. Any advice to any interviewers? But I mean, you've been you just answered a whole lot of it. So anyone listening today, be sure <laughs> be sure to go back and listen to Dave. Dave's an expert. He writes amazing stories and just gave you pearls of advice right there. So th <laughs> thank right. you for that, Dave. One question that's I did have. You said you yeah. don't want to fanboy out when you're doing it, but have yeah. there, has there ever been someone and you just almost can't help yourself? <laughs> ah, that's funny. Um, you're a professional well, by now, but there's got to be. It's funny. I, I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> very often what I will do if there is a situation where you fanboy out, yeah. um, you, you get your interview done yeah, and you save it toward the end. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing that might be an interesting uh, story for you was um, – I interviewed Gene Simmons of Kiss. Wow. Did he wear so the makeup Gene, or he was, was, he was down? What's that? Was he makeup up or was he? No, no, no. We were on the phone and um, it was in uh, 1998. <laughs> now, the interesting thing was the way most interviews work is you set a time, yeah. right? We did a, an interview tonight. We set a time, 730 tonight, right? Gene doesn't work like that. Yeah. The way Gene goes, they go, Gene will call you. What yeah. does that mean? Right. He'll read you. And I was like, now this is back in the uh, 1998 when there's no cell phones. Is that right? Yeah. So I said, okay. What, I So I prepared an interview for Gene. I had my tape recorder ready and I waited for days and he never called. <laughs> oh, no. So then I, I, I said, what the hell's going on? I went to bed one night. The phone rang at 3.30 in the morning. No. And I ran, of wow. course, you run up to the phone and you think there's an emergency with your family. And it's Gene Singles. Hey, David, this is your Uncle Gene. Oh, my God. Press record. We're ready to go. Because wow. that's when he was ready to do the interview. Wow. You sounded and just then, like him. <laughs> yeah. And then I did an interview with him, and I asked the questions out. And then if I fanboy out, I'm a huge fan of Gene Simmons. So um, you save the fanboy portion for the so very good. end. Okay. So you, you, what you do is you'll, you'll just sort of like, you know um, – leave the last two questions for something like fun and crazy to ask him to fanboy out. So that's really the way to contain it. In my opinion. That's good. Cause I'm hoping to yeah. fanboy out at least once on this podcast. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, so we'll let you go. I know you had dinner, but we got a couple more for you. If that's all right. No problem. It's fine. Take your time. Once again, we're talking to David Kribley from Newsday. Uh, check him out. Read his articles. They're great. One other thing, Dave himself mm -hmm. was giving us some advice before on podcasts. Dave has yeah. a couple podcasts himself. You want to go into them right. for a few? Sure. I um, 
My main podcast is Dave and Dave Unchained, a Van Halen podcast. It's been around for four years. We just celebrated our fourth anniversary. And what it basically is, is it's a hardcore fan-oriented um, podcast for Van Halen fans. So, And we love both the Dave and Sammy, uh, David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And even the Gary Sharona, we love it all. Um, and basically we describe, I know it sounds absolutely insane, but we describe, we do a whole news segment. We do a mailbag segment. We do a discussion segment. And we do an interview segment and they can go three to four hours. That's how long they go. And it's hard to believe we do it once a month wow. and it's a lot of fun. And it's really for all the Van Halen hardcores. And then I also do a podcast called uh, the rock quarry, which is my interviews with different rock musicians from Huey Lewis to Meatloaf to to all different kinds of art uh, interviews with different artists, and then I also um, do interview uh, interviews with comedians on a Funny How Comedy Podcast, oh, where I interview a lot of different comedians. I did one of Joan Rivers' last interviews, wow. and I, I've done uh, all kinds of uh, Dana Carvey and wow. all, Sebastian Maniscalco is the current one. Oh, wow. And there's all kinds of cool interviews on there. They're available on on uh, on um, uh, iTunes for free. So that's a lot of fun. But the, the main one that I do is the Dave and Dave Unchained. That's like a hardcore one I do every month. And, and we have a big following that goes across the world, actually. We have people all over the, the place listening. I'm going to check it out. And our GM, yeah. Alan, shout out to Alan, a huge, complete uh, Van Halen fan. So I got to yeah. tell him about that. <laughs> so, Dave, I don't want to assume, but it seems like I would consider yourself pretty lucky. It seemed like you've narrowed down the perfect career for your interests. No, I mean. <laughs> Like your well, passion's yeah. for itself. I mean, there's always, yeah, that I love what I do. Um, I have a passion for it. I mean, to me, it, it's about um, getting up every day and doing what you do. Yeah. So, it, uh, you know, if I wanted to make, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, I would be in a different business. Yeah. Um, it's not financially lucrative, um, but it's what I do to fill my own soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I really think that the, the older you get, as a young man, Tim, the older you get, yeah. the most valuable thing in the world is time. And it's how you spend that time and what you do with that time. And I can't see spending my time doing something that I'm not interested in. Yeah. And it's very, very hard for me to keep focused and driven towards something I'm not interested in. And when I am interested in something, I, I go full bore. You You're know, so if I'm going to do something, I'm going to give it 120% whether it's a Monopoly story or it's an interview with Ozzy. So um, that's going to get my 100% attention. So the interview with Ozzy is going to get is just as much attention and focus as the Monopoly story because that's just who I am because I think about the reader all the time because I was a reader, and I think about it from that perspective. I don't, you know, I'm not, um, I don't uh, boast myself as being part of the press and have that some sort of... Uh, braggadocious type of thing i'm not like that i I kind of uh always thinking about you know how like for example when i do a story on mulls right Mm -hmm. you know like what you know what do i want to communicate to the the our readers about mulcahy's or what i'm doing um, about mulcahy's the last story we did was about your new expansion right Mm -hmm. so um we want to I think about the reader. If I go to Mulcahy's and that's a place that I hang out, what do I want to know? What am I going to get? What's going to happen in the future? What have they done? What's going on there? 
and or if I don't even know Mulcahy's, maybe I should be going there. Maybe I should check this place out. out. It sounds really cool. So it's always that kind of thing. And whether I'm in your dad's office and speaking with 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 John yeah. uh, uh, Murray, or I'm speaking with um, like Sammy Hagar, yeah. uh, it's both fun to me. Eddie you know Money in his underwear. Right. Both of them in the right light. That's and awesome. David, just just talking to that, I know this is probably a bit of a cliche question in your industry, but since you've been in it so long, like just talk to that how much the industry's changed and what has it meant for for your role with you being, you know, such an important yeah. kind of writer and getting into it for those reasons. Like, how has social media impacted, or has it, you know, has it impacted yeah. what you do and what you put out? Well, I tell you, Ruby, that is a great question. It's not. Um, cliche at all it's actually a fantastic question because i'm like i said i'm 50 right so i came up in an uh, with one foot in the computer age and one foot out of the computer age when i was doing newspapers i was doing pay stumps okay and then i had to learn the computer process throughout uh, my uh, my time and what has really changed everything obviously and has changed the world is the internet so I work for a newspaper. We come out every day. But as we all know, when I grew up, the news was in the morning, in the night. We didn't, now we're 24 hour news. Everything's 24 hour everything. Everything's a 7 Eleven. You know, it's everything's constantly going. So the internet has made uh, our job the most challenging. Um, but it's sort of like I refer to it as the, uh, the plant in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. You can't feed it enough because it's you're just constantly feeding content to the internet and uh, it's sometimes it's a little challenging to keep up with that pace but um we obviously want to keep giving our readers the long island readers as much information as possible and of course in the process providing accuracy and 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 also you know uh quality writing in the process you don't want to just throw you know stuff up there you want to make it uh so it's interesting and engaging and well written and so that's sort of the juggle that goes on um there is uh you feel like you're always living on a deadline mm-hmm. so it's it's not like um you're uh well i just have to every and then sometimes things you know come in at all different times and you have to keep juggling and keep it going so that's been the biggest challenge is keeping up with social media, uh, you know, with Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram, things are so instant and so fast and people are getting material so quickly. But the danger of that is there's not exactly uh, always accuracy. Yeah. So the thing that part of our job is, is that there has to be accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just writing stories willy nilly. Everybody on the Newsday team is very engaged in being accurate, is being well-written and focused and Long Island-centric. So everybody, whether they're writing about education or they're writing about sports or they're writing about politics or doing what I do, it doesn't matter. We all still have the same code of ethics. So you're thinking along the lines of the reader, the reader. The and it's so important that, you know, clickbait versus content, you know, there always yeah, will be no, a market for it. Well, and we appreciate yeah, what you guys thing. do. Nothing, right, right. Look, we want to engage clicks, but we're not, Newsday is not clickbait. Yeah. We mm-hmm. are, uh, we want to engage clicks, but we don't, uh, if you, and if have you the click content on to back it up, you're you know? guaranteed that it's going to be quality. 
And that that and that I, I could say that for all of, of my employees, excuse me, my employees, my, my <laughs> colleagues, I Save should the say. Boss. Um yeah, yeah, they're not my employees. They're my colleagues, all my colleagues. If you click on it, it's going to have a level of quality that that our subscribers are accustomed to. And we all have that code of ethics, no matter what we do, whether we're writing about business or education or sports or politics or, or entertainment, it doesn't matter. There's, there's going to be that quality and accuracy. It shows, and that's why they're the ones that are uh, framed in our office. I'm happy to do that. And look, businesses like Mulcahy's, for example, okay, are what makes up the uh, the, the uh, lifeblood of Long Island, and that it's stuff like that that makes Long Island's character um, uh, so specific and such a uh, such a uh, a nice uh, quality of life. You know, when you go there, it's not just about the music, and it's not just about the fun times. You know, there's a element that you can't just fabricate you know what i mean okay. there's a there's a set like you guys work there there's a sense of family there there's a sense of quality there there's a sense of um fun and there's also um you know uh there's a real long island uh sensibility you know it's so funny i just did an interview with kevin james the comedian which i mentioned earlier in this conversation it comes out friday and kevin said i don't ever want to leave long island because it has everything that I want. Yeah. It's got the attitude. It's got the food. It's got the people. It's got the perspective. It's like everything I grew up loving is here. And I don't want to leave here because it's here. Mm -hmm. And it is very specific and it's special. It's not the hand. It's not Manhattan. And it's, it's, it's not the Bronx and Brooklyn. They all have their own incredible, um, uh, own, uh, specific tones and, and tastes. And they're all wonderful too. But Long Island and, and Suffolk and Nassau, we have something very special here, especially in the music scene. Yeah. I believe in it very heavily. And um, you know, we're going through a difficult time right now. The a lot of the artists that I, I just spoke to on the phone today, I spoke to a bunch of artists today, mm -hmm. and we're all figuring out how can we have live music in the summer? Well, how are we gonna make this David, happen? I'm sorry, I'm we sorry to cut you off there, but you sorry. can tell we're uh, no, you can tell we're speaking to a to a seasoned interviewer here because you've honestly just given one hell of a segue no one no one hell of a segue to um i hope you don't mind but if you will our fanboy question so um, as you mentioned we are in we're in crazy times and we we didn't want you know this episode to be no anything too much about quarantine but you know we are in quarantine it's just me and mm. just me and tim here you're over there and <laughs> right we've got our mask so if you don't if you don't mind our uh kind we'll of let you go after again, these two i know your wife's probably yelling Christian. at you for no it's not at all not at all <laughs> we want to uh we probably. want to take this chance to kind of look ahead to the future you know because you know you, we've got, you've got to have hope in these situations so we kind of had this uh little idea to to round up um if you were to picture bear with us your ideal kind of return to live music your ultimate <laughs> kind of and you know, talking to your passion for Long Island as well, your ultimate kind of end of quarantine return party. Um, <laughs> we've got a couple of questions for you along no those laws, lines. Sure. No laws. No laws. Again, this budget. is da David. You're the host. It doesn't have to be at Miles. Obviously, we'd be really flattered if it was. <laughs> but we've got a couple of questions for you to that effect. So first mm. up, who would be your headliner? We'll give you an opener as well. But again, yeah. this is your, you know, your ultimate party of all parties. We're back from quarantine. Or, you know, just 
celebrating in general, looking to the future, who would you have? Your Th- opener and your headline. Dead or alive, no budget. <laughs> Anyone of them. Dead or alive? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> are, are we talking about local acts or, or national Anyone acts? Or what want. are we doing? Anyone. This is Anyone all time. This is all time. And they can play till oh, one, well. one in the morning and beyond. David's personal concert. <laughs> okay. Well, you wanted. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you my dream concert. You wanna hear my dream concert? Absolutely. This is my dream concert for Long Island. I really think, and and I would have pitched this to Nassau Coliseum when they were reopening, but I would have loved to have Billy Joel with Mariah Carey and Debbie Gibson and. A Twisted Sister and Pat Benatar and the Stray Cats and Joan Jett and have them all do a big concert at Nassau Coliseum. And that's, listen to me, that's no slight to mold. It's just that everyone no. wouldn't be able to fit there. But I would, I had always had that um, feeling like there should be some sort of Long Island celebration with our biggest and brightest stars and you could throw Taylor Dane in there and and and, and uh, other people. Um, but I just thought I had a vision because um, we had uh, back in the day, Z100 used to do the Jingle Ball in Manhattan yeah. at uh, Madison Square Garden. And what they had was a rotating stage. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is they'd have half a stage and they'd have a band set up and performing and the other half was ready to go and they would just turn it and the next band would play That's and awesome. they would turn it and the next band would play. And now everybody would do a full concert, of course, but it would be just a few songs from each person. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be sort of like a best of Long Island at Nassau Coliseum um, pulling <laughs> something like that off. That Look, that... Hey, that's Dave, a very Dave, big thing to pull off. But that's, we'll be the after party. That's yeah, we'll perfect. do the after party. Yeah, right. <laughs> the entire after party would be at Mulcahy's, exactly. And if Nassau yeah, Coliseum if, uh, doesn't want to do that, we could do that here for like two weeks straight. We'll just do something. <laughs> exactly. It would take two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing, too. So you're at, you're, yeah. you're at your VIP table in the front row. After party now. After party. Okay. <laughs> after party. It's VIP table or floor. Who are your... Three guests, dead or alive, anyone in the world. If you could have dinner. <laughs> VIP table, dead or alive. Dinner oh and God. drinks after party at, after the Crew Boy Fest. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well. I'll put you on the spot. But. Let's see. I say Mike Del Judas of Big Shot for sure. There you go. Because Mike's the best. Shout out to Mike. The stage is right over there. Hands okay. down. Jackie the Joke Man. All right. From the Howard Stern Show. <laughs> He's, uh, he's a great guy. Um, I would have Brand. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, Brendan Brown of Weedus. Nice. Another Long Island. How many guy, people right? do I get? Four. You get three, but you could have, you could have an honor. Oh, three. You, oh, no, you three. Can stand. Just those three is good. <laughs> Jackie, Brendan, and Mike would nice. be my VIP table. I think we can make yeah. some of that work. <laughs> okay. we can get a couple. Yeah. I, I love, I'm a big fan of Weedis, which is a band from Northport. Yeah. Um, I love, I, I know they played your festival when, yeah, they, yeah. when they played that festival. Um, uh, Brendan's fantastic. I think bag, he's a musical a genius in many, <laughs> many ways. And I, I love, love, love Weedis, uh, one of my all-time favorite bands. And um, Jackie is a bud of mine. I think he is such a funny, fun, sweet individual. He's such a, Jackie, you will put Jackie 
in a jail cell and he'll create a party. That's how good he is. And Mike, you know, I don't have to explain Mike to you. Mike's the yeah. best, right? <laughs> yeah. I've known Mike my oh, whole life. It's crazy. He's the coolest. He's the greatest. He's, he's awesome. Right. So yeah, Let's those guys, the are the, in my shed. they're really good guys. <laughs> they're really good guys. I've interviewed all of them multiple times. Uh, they are an absolute pleasure to interview. Um, I have such respect for all their abilities and they're so much fun. So, um, and I love them all. So I, I'm happy to have them at my table. That's for sure. I know. I'll be the waiter that night too. So I can. Yeah, no, out. man. <laughs> all right, Dave, thank you so much. We're at like 50. Oh, anytime, man. I'm happy to do it. Listen, I miss, I miss moles terribly. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, I think about all the great times I've had there and all the great uh, stories I've done there. Um, Oh my God. It's so many like from, uh, doing the whole Greece story yeah. we did on, on, uh, Decadia with their big Greece show, uh, with the dirty dancing thing to Mulcahy's, uh, anniversary celebration to, Oh my God, it goes on and on and on. Um, it just it never ends. And I, I, um, I, I love it there. It's, it's so much. Oh, we, Oh my God. We did a cornhole story in Mulcahy's <laughs> so many different stories. It's, uh, it's it's such great memories and um and I I can't wait to get back. Many you know, I mean, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be some time and that's all right. But we want to make sure everybody's healthy and fine. But um, you know, um, and then the expansion, the expansion story, um, which was so much fun with um, and doing all the interviews with the different bands that I did for the local live column, which I ho- I hope Newsday brings back with when we had Tiffany and. Oh, and yeah. Zebra and all the different bands that were performing at Mulcahy's. Um, so much fun, man. It's just such a blast. And so let's just say that the, the party will be even sweeter. Yeah, it'll make uh, the, the party better. It will be even sweeter when it returns because sure. it's going to be such a big return. For sure. Cheers to that. For, cheers. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Once again, yeah, man. Dave Cribway Newsday. If you're a young journalist, check this out. He gave you pearls there and he gave you pearls. <laughs> And, uh, Happy to do it, Dave. I'd love to have you back because I think we could spin off on a couple hours. Oh, of Ozzy please! And... Anytime, anytime. I'm at your disposal. You just call me up, and I'm ready to go. All right. Thank you so much. See you, Dave. You got Thank it, you. man. Stay you safe. got it, bud. Bye. Take care. Bye, bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to episode two of Employees Only, presented by Mulcahy's with David Cribway of Newsday. Ruby, what do you think of the interview? I thought it was awesome. Like, what an interesting guy. What a career he's had. Some crazy interviews there. Like, yeah, for sure. He's, uh, he's been to all the concerts, all the concert venues. He's interviewed everyone. Check out his stories. Check out our podcast with him. Yeah. And you can see how he's such a good interviewer because he's so easy to chat to. Yeah. So I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. It was great. Once again, check out our socials on our Instagram at Mulcahy's Pub. Check out our Facebook, Mulcahy's Pub. You can check these podcasts out on Apple iTunes now. We're official. You yeah. Excited? I'm very excited. Check us out, Apple iTunes. And um, who's episode three? Episode three is a surprise. We have a couple guests that we might do, but uh, nobody knows. Even <laughs> Ruby. I Even you. <laughs> <laughs> I might know, but I'm not confident. I give no notice. <laughs> Ruby just shows up, and I said, "This is what we're doing today." Well, now I've got all that advice from David. I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. Yeah, but we're feeling pretty confident. We talked to Dave for 40 minutes, and I think we're expert interviewers at this point now. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, let us know what guests you want. We'll try to get them. 
any yeah, ideas yeah. you people might uh, want to hear about or even at, like if you have a favorite bar or venue anywhere in New York or the country I'll reach out and try to get the owners or managers yeah. or whoever you know and we love the Long Island stuff yeah. like David's knowledge of like the Long Island music scene and his passion for Long Island you know we love that stuff we yeah. pride Miles on being that so he's a real encyclopedia of Long Island history of music for sure yeah pretty cool any Long Island legends send them our way for sure <laughs> check us out Thanks again for watching.